What's good, everyone? Welcome back to Scout Team Sports. I have been gone, I know. I know, I know, I know. A couple of things I was frustrated with. Uh, and I, I just wasn't in the right space to review them uh, when it came to the likes of AEW and uh, some other things you know, in life that just happened. And sometimes we got to take a step back and reevaluate things. Uh, but we're here, we're back, we're ready to go, getting ready for the upcoming uh football season nfl season but also uh you know a little bit of a i'm just gonna air it out you know things that i feel on AEW. but this is about wwe SummerSlam. that happened last night and um definitely want to get into this and i'm gonna just be real and authentic as i know that i can be about these matches um i'm really about how matches go in the flow and also, even more importantly, the outcome because of what it does for everybody involved. So we start off with the kickoff match. Big E uh, versus Baron Corbin. Uh, this is for the Money in the Bank briefcase because Baron Corbin stole it from Big E, who is the rightful holder, who won it at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And Big E is um, attempting to get it back or having it on the line. If he wins, he gets it, and if Corbin wins, then Corbin keeps it, uh, the briefcase that he's stolen. Uh, as WWE often does when a, or say more often than not, uh, never really, have, I don't believe I've seen in the history of heels winning the briefcase, but when a babyface wins the briefcase, occasionally they will have, uh, if they deem that, I guess, that babyface is not ready, they will have a uh, villain or a heel rather, uh, challenge them for the briefcase and take it away from him. And of course, that's the hat what happened the last time when Otis won and, uh, he in the Miz challenged him for the briefcase and then the Miz took the briefcase away from him and eventually cashed in and won WWE title. Um, and I'm glad it didn't happen in this regard because Baron Corbin's horrible. I just don't like the character I never have. And, uh, you know, they've made him this old, washed up has been with his hair growing out and his balding and everything and I wasn't you know there's nothing really that they could do with that other than you know maybe try to put him in a comedy bit or something like that uh, but Big E wins the match and of course wins back his money in the bank briefcase however I do not believe this deserved to be the kickoff match um, you're really belittling the money in the bank briefcase holder um, and it seems like they always do that really with baby faces they don't really do that with heels or at least baby faces who are not the a guy or the guy the most popular or the head baby face on the show um they have drew mcintyre and jinder mahal they even could have did alexa bliss and eva marie either one of those could have been the kickoff match but the money in the bank briefcase holder should not be the kickoff match that's the only problem i have with this match i have no problem with the storyline giving biggie something to do um, because he is the money in the big bank briefcase holder. And of course, you know, what they always do with the baby faces is a heel wants the money in the bank briefcase. And so wants to either steal it or challenge for it. And, uh, then, you know, the chips fall where they may. Usually the heel takes away, uh, the briefcase from, uh, officially from the baby face. But in this case, Biggie gets it back. Um, and you know, the match is what it is. Uh, and I'm glad Biggie's keeping it because, 
Baron Corbin wouldn't have been good holding the briefcase again. Um, it's not even the lone wolf. This is the lone has been, and I don't know where they're going with him. Uh, but Biggie keeps it. But again, it should not have been the kickoff match. Uh, those other two that I mentioned could have easily been the kickoff match. And I don't believe Biggie is deserved to be treated like that. He's earned better. Next, we go into that I'm going to go into in the order I'm going in um, is the Raw Tag Team title match with Randy Orton and Matt Riddle challenging AJ Styles and Omos for the Raw Tag Team Champions. Uh, Randy Orton and Riddle uh, recently reunite with Randy Orton returning and solidifying RK Bro. And uh, then they go into SummerSlam a week later and they win the Tag Team Championships. So, of course, you know, first of all, it's really more, I understand this, so I'm not as frustrated with this. So I understand that it's more about Omos and Matt Riddle, of course, than it is uh, Randy Orton and AJ Styles. Randy Orton and AJ Styles, both former multiple-time world champions. It's really about them mentoring and having a certain guy that's wrestling who WWE has thinks has potential to uh, be their underling, to, you know, basically learn from them. And what better way for some that might need that is to be their tag team partner. So that's really what this is about. Um, because this, what relevance does this hold, whether they win or lose, hold the tag team title or not, to the career of AJ Styles or Randy Orton? Absolutely none. It's about the young guys that they're tagged up with who they're trying to help grow. Um, And that's what it's really about. So, you know, Randy Orton and Riddle, Randy Orton returning to help young Riddle out. It's the feel-good story right now. So I'm not surprised that they won the tag titles. And uh, Omos being a big heel, a big tall heel, I'm just hoping that he can stay healthy um, because it's just like, you know, seven-foot guys in the NBA you know, you know, they have to deal with a lot of ankle and foot and toe and uh, knee injuries because they have so much weight and they have such a large stature. And sometimes their knees and their ankles and their feet and their toes can't take it. Uh, so I'm just hoping that Omos can stay healthy. That's the main thing about Omos. I'm hoping that he can stay healthy and work and do well and have a good career, a great career um, as a young black guy uh, in the WWE. But yeah, Randy Orton and Riddle get the titles, and um, again, it's about the younger guys. It's not about the old season vets who are multiple-time champions. And so maybe they can make a rivalry out of that, um, you know, and that would be nice. Um, what I, of course, I'm most frustrated with, and whether it's AEW, if it happens in AEW, actually it's not, but, uh, well, actually it had at one time. Um, but that is actual real tag teams competing for the tag team titles not two guys that you just mashed up together i get every now and then that might be cool and again it's like a feel-good story like matt riddle is and matt riddle and randy orton is it'll work it'll work i think temporarily but i think still still especially in wwe the tag team division in both on 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 every show is lacking nxt is probably the best but uh the main roster shows uh Raw and SmackDown, and I know some people would like to say that all three are even now, but Raw and SmackDown tag team divisions are weak. They still are weak. The titles don't even look like real championship titles. 
They need to get rid of this, you know, red and nickel and blue and nickel. Either gold or gold or plates or silver and gold plates or something like that. But this these nickel championships with the Spartan helmets, I still don't understand why they're doing Spartan helmets for the tag team titles. It's just no, just just get away from it, please. Um, but yeah, I would like to see an infusion of actual tag teams go back to competing for the tag team titles. Usually when they get a tag team that's a real tag team, then they want to split them up, like Heavy Machinery. I thought eventually Heavy Machinery would be the tag team champions, but they had them, get, I think you have a couple of tag team title shots or maybe number one contender shots, never won the title, and then eventually they break the team up. You know, other good teams, you know, um, they, you know, that are good baby faces, um, like Enzo and uh, Big Cass, I was looking forward to them. And then they break them up, and then it's like, why are you doing that to all the babyface tag teams? It's like, you know, it's just, then, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm like, where, where is, um, oh man, I can't even, the Street Profits, they're not even here, they're not even on the paper even, they're supposed to be on the main roster, so what is going on? I don't know, but anyway, let's get on to the next match. Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie, and again, this is uh, a match that I would have been totally fine with being a kickoff match uh, because, first of all, I'm not cool with the fact that this was Alexa Bliss is feeding off of. Now, they can say they own a gimmick, but it's still wrong because the one who put in the work to make it work was the guy who you actually gave it to first. And now that guy is released. Now it's like, okay. And so Alexa Bliss, the whole point of her feeding into the Fiend's theme and kind of like being his girlfriend was because she would be the women's version of him. But that should not negate him or belittle him. So they release him and she gets to keep his gimmick and she's feeding off of his gimmick because she needed to be reinvented because everybody was tired of the little poppy, arrogant Alexa Bliss. And so they had to give her something new to do. So now she's big, bad, little gothic chick who can beat everybody with witchcraft and other and whatever nonsense they want to make her, make everybody believe. And so they put back in Eva Marie, which I'm shocked because of what she did. And you know how the documentary on WWE when she was talking to Stephanie McMahon about how she lied about what she could do. And, um, you know, eventually got, you know, they gave her another chance and then they eventually let her go. I'm surprised they allowed her to come back. But I'm not surprised that they made her take a fall to Alexa Bliss. Um, that's what you get when you cross WWE and you try to come back to them. Um, I don't see, I don't see Eva Marie really being successful in WWE, even on this second or what is the second the stint or if it's the third stint, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, she's gonna be taking a lot of falls. I think she's gonna be laying down for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of wrestlers, um, as far as just, I don't see her being winning successful. I just see her collecting a paycheck and that's about it. Um, but of course the whole Alexa Bliss thing is she's, you know, she's got the Fiends theme now and she does all this manipulative stuff and it's like, okay, if somebody has a problem with her, then she gets back at him. Or if she, you know, cause she's kind of sort of, they kind of sort of make her trying to make her a, a dark baby face. Um, cause she's not just going out picking on people. It's somebody has a problem with her, and then she has to make them pay in the worst way. Um, but yeah, I'm done with that match. Next, we had the U.S. title match, Damian Priest versus Sheamus. Um, I'm curious to see where uh, Damian Priest goes with this. 
Sheamus really wasn't doing anything with the U.S. title. There really wasn't any buzz around him being the U.S. champion. Um, I don't know if that was on him or on the booking. Um, more than likely, it's on the booking. But, um, yeah, there really was nothing going on. And so, you know, Sheamus is, to me, is over mid-card. He's, he's either for Sheamus, and, you know, he's done everything. He's been at the top. He's been in mid-card. He's been tag team champion. Honestly, if you're not going to put him in a world title match, you, you, really, you really have no valid use for Sheamus. And that's not a slight against Sheamus. To me, that's a slight against the booking. Put him in to challenge for any, any, any time he gets. Anytime you get a number one contenders match, anytime you get a, a tournament, anytime you get anything like King of the Ring style, money in the bank ladder match, Sheamus should be in that match. He should not be wrestling mid-card. He's either he's at the, at the top or he's just not in because, you know, or maybe he does a grudge match or something like that. But it's just, it to me, it just doesn't work with him at mid-card. Mid-card title match, tag team title match. He's already done with, with Cesaro. Um, he, he's over that. He really is over that. Um, but, you know, and so him dropping the title to a young Damian Priest, I'm not surprised and I'm curious to see where they go with Damian Priest. I saw the whole U.S., you know, and the braids and stuff that he's got now. So I guess he's like the, the dark, um, cool American now, the American champion. Uh, so I'm curious to see what they do with him and then who whoever he gets in a feud or rivalry with next. I hope that that's really good. Um, but yes, Damian Priest beats Sheamus for the U.S. title. Next we have... I'm going to flip one and get to that one. I'll start with the the other one. <laughs> At the start of the, the uh, start of the second half after the break, I'm going to get to get rid of this Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. This had no buzz. This had no buildup. This is former 3MB partners who nobody really cared about. Uh, I mean, wrestling for what? For what? Absolutely. What? What did one of them? Did I miss a Raw episode where one of them picked on the other one or said something, and now they're fighting each other for, for nothing? Like, what? You know, Drew McIntyre, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're eventually going to put him back in the world title picture um, because he has to be able to challenge for the WWE title as soon as Bobby Lashley would lose it, uh, which I hope that's still a long time. Or he, either that or he jumps ship to uh, SmackDown. But, um, yeah, this could have easily been the kickoff match, too. So you could have had this one or the Alexa Bliss and Eva Marie match as a kickoff match, but it should not have been Big E. But I'm going to stop it right there. And we'll get to the rest of these matches afterward, after we hear from our sponsor. This is Scout Team Sports. See you in a bit. Scout Team Sports, and we are back into it reviewing WWE SummerSlam. It happened last night, and we get back into it with uh, Jimmy and Jay Uso defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Would have seen, would have liked to see um, Ray and Dominic get the titles back, um, but they still have to put this young Dominic, inexperienced uh, thing going over. Uh, I'm, and of course, they did not win the titles. They lost. Um, but it is good for the Usos to help carry the tag team division to hope help mold other tag teams uh, into, you know, being good contenders, being good workers and whatnot. The Usos can do that. 
Um, Ray and Dominic are definitely good as a, as a team in terms of being entertaining and being something formidable for the show. But, of course, Dominic still needs a lot of work. Um, and that's, you know, outside of kayfabe and not and inside. Um, <clears throat> but um, they had, had this whole thing going where Ray and Dominic were, were not on the same page. Ray cost Dominic a singles match, and then Dominic cost his dad a singles match. And then going into this, they weren't on the same page. Dominic was, you know, helpless, getting beat up. And then uh, Dad tries to come to the rescue, but Ray Mysterio is not enough. And uh, Jimmy and Jey Uso easily take care of Ray and Dominic and retain the titles. I'm wondering if they might do a heel turn for Dominic. I'm thinking that that might happen, you know. He he turns on his dad, and uh, because he's saying his dad is holding him back, or his dad is you know holding him down and whatnot, and and Ray's gonna try to be the loving father, and then eventually Ray's just gonna get fed up with it, uh, and then think he's gonna have to teach his son a lesson, and then it's gonna be father and son at the next pay per view or Survivor Series or whatever, whenever they want to do it. Um, and so that I get if they do that right, that could be exciting. But at the same time, that takes away a tag team that I would think is kind of, sort of, for the most part, one of the few that are actually solidified in WWE as a tag team. Because if you think about the, the on SmackDown, who else is there? Literally, who else is there that is a formidable tag team that you actually want to see or you just hate so much that you hope that they lose and they're, you know, really bad heel, you know, really good heels? Who else is there? It's... it's Again, the, both tag team divisions are Raw and SmackDown are dead. They're weak, and they need a lot of livening up. And that's not going to happen with just one good tag team. That's a, you're going to need a couple at least for each show. Um, so hoping that they can do that. Moving on next to these next two matches. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. You see, I, I don't pull any punches. I'm just as hard on the women as I am on the men because that's fair. Hear me. I'm just as hard on the women as I am on the men because that's fair. That's right. That's what should happen. So uh, I'm going to go with the Raw Women's Championship match, the triple threat match, Charlotte Flair, Nikki Ash, who is the champion, and Rhea Ripley, who, okay, I'll I'll get into it in the match. But, um, I mean, the way that the match goes, it just seems like Nikki Ash, A-S-H, I'm sorry, uh, is... um, Leading up to it, I mean, I, I've never seen yeah, a, a champion lose that much. Or, you know, at the very at the very worst, it would be like a heel champion who continues to get themselves disqualified uh, because that's just what heels do when they want to retain their title or when they are upset that uh, a babyface is beating them. Um, you know, but she's a, she's a babyface. So it's like, why is she losing so much? Uh, and then that one time that she beat Charlotte, it was like, it, it was so long and drawn out at the very end. It was like, I was like, for sure, Charlotte is just laying there for like at least five to seven seconds. So she has to kick out. She ain't gonna just lay down for another three seconds. Like really for, for a Nikki to pin her. Cause it took forever. And she did. I was like, well, okay, what's going on with y'all? Is somebody hurt? Is somebody injured? You're not saying anything. But anyway, um, they really, I don't know what happened with Rhea Ripley falling from grace. Um, because I, I, you know, I figured she was going to, you know, now she's on the main roster. She was going to be one of those who they were really going to look to, to carry the load for a little while and be the new person. But 
something else happened in the next match, which I will get to eventually. The other <laughs> women's championship match, the SmackDown women's championship match. So we get to, just to finish this one off, uh, Charlotte uh, pins Nikki. I mean, it pins Nikki. She gets her to figure eight, and Nikki taps out. And Charlotte regains the women's championship. I think this makes her either 11 or 12-time champion now. Um, and I'm like, okay, it's not a big, it's not a big deal or I'm not bitter or angry or upset that Charlotte wins because Charlotte is just that caliber of woman, that caliber of wrestler who could win any match, any match you put her in, she can win. She has the athleticism. She has the, uh, the experience. She can wrestle. She can take bumps. She can, she can promo her behind off. She can do it all. So she, she is their ace. She is their ace and hole. Uh, when they need anything done, she can do it better than anybody. Uh, as far as women, she can do it better than anybody on the roster. Um, so it's not, you know, I'm not tripping off of her getting another title. Right? You know, I I hope that you know she gets, you know, just as many as her dad. So um, you know that would be cool. Um, but she wins this match, and uh, you know, for Nikki to pin her to win the title using cashing in her Money in the Bank briefcase, not that long ago. For Nikki to lose a title this quickly, that is a head-scratcher. So it's not a surprise that, Char- that Charlotte wins just because of the caliber of, of wrestler and superstar that Charlotte is. But why would you have Nikki get the title off of money in the cash and money in the bank to lose it in less than a month later? Um, I don't get that. Uh, maybe they want to continue a rivalry between the two, but I think there's something else up, which I'm going to get to in a minute, and it is having to do with SmackDown Women's Championship. So we were supposed to have Bianca Belair defending against Sasha Banks, who recently returned and was uh, set to face her at SummerSlam after she showed her heelish ways when she recently returned, that being Sasha. And, you know, she turned, of course, she looked like she was there to help uh, Bianca Belair against Zelina Vega and Carmella, but then turned on her. So now they has fight and 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 now they're set for uh SummerSlam. And what happens? Sasha can't compete for whatever reason. Then we get Carmella saying she wants the title shot, so she comes out to the ring, but before they can get started, all of a sudden Becky Lynch makes her triumphant return to WWE. And she is out there and she takes care of Carmella and she wants the title shot. Now for the most part, I am like, okay, no, you need to be in a number one contenders match first. But Becky Lynch, no, I'll give that a pass because she's returning. She forfeited the title due to pregnancy. I get that part. So let's do this thing then. Bianca Belair is fresh. She's ready to go. Uh, let's see what Becky's got. She's all, all about championships. And so this is, this is not uh, too big of a stage for her. So let's do this thing. And we get a Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston match. Brock Lesnar pinned Kofi Kingston in eight seconds of the match starting. When the match started, uh, for however many years that was ago, on SmackDown, when SmackDown first came to Fox, the first big main event was Kofi Kingston defending the WWE title against Brock Lesnar. As soon as the bell rang, Kofi Kingston ran across the ring, leaped onto Brock Lesnar, I guess, to try to body splash him, which was the dumbest idea that they made him do. He didn't choose to do that. And then Brock Lesnar caught him, 
got him on the on the back of the shoulders, F5, and it's over in eight seconds. There's no way they would do that again, right? Right? Wrong, of course. But in this match, really? You build Bianca Belair up since WrestleMania, winning the title to be this bigger, stronger, or at least not necessarily huge, but big enough, strong, powerful, because uh, she's strong. She's a strong woman. Like, you, you look at her physique, she's strong. She's stronger than most of the wrestlers on the roster, uh, women wrestlers on the roster. Um, physically fit, athletic, can move, can do it all. Uh, you know, not as experienced as, let's say, a Charlotte Flair or a Becky Lynch or others or Sasha Banks, but she can hold her own. And you, you I figured you were turning over a new leaf because at, uh, you know, at WrestleMania, you had all three new women's champions. You had Raquel Gonzalez, NXT women's champion. You had Rhea Ripley as Raw women's champion. And you had Bianca Belair as SmackDown women's champion. So I was like, okay, we're turning over a new leaf. Let's move forward with that, right? But when Becky Lynch came out, I was like, oh, no. No, 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 no. Because I knew this Charlotte Flair had a championship match. And now Becky's in a championship match. Same match, different title. Oh, why? Oh, why would that happen? But anyway, let's get back to the match before we get to that irritation. The first irritation was, okay, Becky's here. Let's do this. Big pop for her returning. Let's go. People know what Bianca Belair can do, so this ought to be good. Eight seconds, pretty much. The same thing as Kofi and Brock Lesnar, where as soon as she gets in the match, they ring the bell because, of course, Bianca's not going to back down from a challenge. Accepts the challenge, so start the match. Becky Lynch forearms Belair in the face and then gets her up for the pump handle, the pump handle slam or whatever she calls it now and wins the match and wins the title. What? Wait a minute. First of all, you know, I could go, I could go racial. I could go, I could go there, but I'm not, but I could, but I'm not, but I could, I probably should, I probably should, but I'm not. But anyway, how do you do this to build up Bianca Belair for all this time and then for her to lose her title and get basically just punked in eight seconds? The only way that this works, the only way that an eight second match works is if the champion had just got finished wrestling a match and then the money in the bank briefcase holder comes in, cashes in. Or Vince McMahon will do what he's done before, will say, you haven't, because he doesn't like the champion, oh, because you have another challenger now, and uh, give him another challenger who's fresh after they just finished wrestling a match, and then they could lose in eight seconds because they have no more energy, they're drained. That makes sense, that flows. And I understand that anything can happen in WWE, but you still have to let it make it flow. You still have to make it make sense somewhat, a little bit. This made absolutely no sense. Bianca Belair was fresh. Because she was expecting to face Sasha. She didn't face Sasha. And Carmella comes out. She wants a challenge. She wants to defend her title at SummerSlam. And of course, Becky Lynch comes out. She's as hyped as Becky is. So of course she wants to defend her title. And you let Becky Lynch punk her in eight seconds relatively. A forearm or a punch to the face. And then get her up for the pump handle slam. 
and then that's it. Like, I, Bianca Belair, like, I understand, again, that anything can happen in WWE, but the thing is, just from the eye test, the eye test does mean something, okay? The eye test does mean something. And so, if you just look at the two, Bianca Belair is bigger, she's stronger, she's more athletic, she's just as fast, if not faster, than Becky Lynch. So it doesn't make sense that a fresh Bianca Belair loses to Becky Lynch in eight seconds. That makes no sense. That's not believable. That's stupid. Point blank. Absolutely. How if we at the at the very least let them have a real match. Let them go for 10 minutes and let them have a knockdown drag out fight. Let's see what Becky's got. Since she's been since she's been gone, I know she's been she should have been training, she should have been getting back in shape and all that stuff. For weeks and months, so that when she comes back, let's have a big match. This was the it. This was it. Let's have a big match right here, SummerSlam. This is one of the four major pay per views. This is where you do it. You don't do it at the next pay per view. I know when they want to do it, and I know who they want to do it against now, because. Look at what we have now. We've got Charlotte as the Raw Women's Champion. We've got Becky Lynch as the SmackDown Women's Champion. And guess who has to meet each other at Survivor Series for the brand war? Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. The same stuff we've been getting for the last seven years since they got on the main roster. Everybody knows. I, I really thought like at this WrestleMania, we were turning over New Leaf with the women's division. But since they got on the main roster, since they were named the four horsewomen back in NXT, ever since they got on the main roster, it's been about nobody else on the women's division but Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Bayley. That's it. If you go back and look, nobody's been women's champion more than they have. Nobody's gotten the spotlight more than they have except Alexa Bliss. She's the only other favorite that they have. And since they're doing something weird with her, um, and I think a lot of time for one of her championship reigns, she was injured and they still allow her to hold the title. And so if she's got an injury prone issue or something like that, I'm thinking maybe that's why they don't have her in the title picture. So they just put her with this gothic gimmick and just make her act crazy and stuff. And it's just something for her to do. But other than that, it's always been about Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Bailey, and Sasha. I'm tired of them. You force feed them down our throats for the last seven, like six or seven years, however long they've been on the main roster. It's always been about them. Nobody else has had the spotlight for longer than six months except for those women. And you just had uh, Bianca Belair to hold the title from WrestleMania to SummerSlam. So that's as good as anybody other than those women, other than Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Bailey, and Sasha Banks and, and Alexa Bliss have gotten. How many other women have you had come through WWE who could have been stars, who you could have pushed, who you could have promoted? And even if they fall and even if they mess up, you could have done something with them. The only other person was Ronda Rousey. And the only reason they she isn't still a star is because she didn't want to stay there. She wanted to go have a family. So she left. But it's it's like, come on, y'all. Seriously? If Becky Lynch is going to win the title, at least let her have a good match with Bianca. Not this eight-second crap. Bianca was fresh. She wasn't tired. She didn't just wrestle a match. 
and she's in and, and, and now she doesn't have any energy left, but she's that warrior champion. And so she'll still take on the challenge, but she didn't have enough left in the tank to beat Becky. No, she's absolutely fresh. And you made her punk out in eight seconds. Fist to the face. I mean, I know for a fact that that girl is tough enough to take two, you know, two and a half moves and kick out easy. Maybe you make Becky Lynch do her finisher like two or three or four times and then do it. And then, you know, she, she, you know, then Bianca just can't handle it. But really, in eight seconds, you made her look as weak as you made Kofi did uh, um, against Brock Lesnar. And Bianca is not weaker than Becky Lynch. Bianca, again, I'm going to say it again because it matters. She's stronger. She's bigger. She's more athletic. She's just as fast, if not faster. She can work. What's the problem with at least giving them a good match? Giving the fans a good match. That's why it was such a, uh, such a bum out was because when Becky Lynch came out, it was this loud pop. And the fans reacted and they went crazy. But when the match actually happened and Becky Lynch won the title in eight seconds, everybody was like, what in the, what are you doing? Give us a match. What is this, you know, Punk and Bianca in, in eight seconds? Like, you don't do that to her. It's not believable. You want to do that to Nikki A.S.H. because she's so small and scrawny? Okay, fine. To somebody who's bigger than her? Okay, that makes sense. She couldn't handle the power and the strength of her opponent. You telling me Bianca could, could not handle a form to the face and a pump handle slam? I'm, I'm, it's, but you know what they want. They want the same old stuff. Becky Lynch to face off against Charlotte at Survivor Series. That's what this is about. Because it's always about those same group of women that I already said. And it ain't about nobody else. So nobody else in the women's division gets to shine if those, if any of those women want their seat at the table. All right. Let's, let's, let's get on off the soapbox. I don't care about Becky Lynch being emotional and her emotional win. after. No, no. You didn't deserve to win that match like that. You didn't deserve to win it like that. You should have put in some work. Show the fans a good match. This is SummerSlam. This ain't no house show. This ain't Raw or SmackDown. This ain't even one of the other pay-per-views. This is the four major pay-per-views. If any time you're supposed to really put on a show and give the fans something and shock the fans, maybe they were shocked and maybe that's all they cared about, but shocked and disappointment because, not because, oh, their favorite person lost, but because... They didn't get what they paid for. So that that is inexcusable. You want to shock them because they're heartbroken. That happens in WWE because their baby face loses. That happens in WWE. You had two baby faces here going against each other. And you made one punk out in eight seconds. The bigger, faster, more athletic, stronger one. It makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. Other than all they want is Becky Lynch versus Charlotte again. So have fun with that because I'm not. Yeah, whatever. It's stupid. 
Next, we have probably the best match of the night, Edge uh, versus Seth Rollins. I was really thinking that Edge was going to win this because after, you know, he's he's lost twice to Roman Reigns. And I'm like, okay, it's great that he's come back and he's doing things on his terms like he said he wanted to as far as, you know, finishing his career. But you got to have him win sometimes. He hasn't won since the Royal Rumble. He lost at WrestleMania. He lost again when he came back to face Roman Reigns a second time. This is one time finally one-on-one, supposedly. He still doesn't win, so now he has this rivalry against Seth Rollins. So he beat Seth Rollins. It was a good match. Both guys, I knew that they were both going to bring in with the moves that they can do. Seth Rollins, um, you know, for, for his gimmick, you know, I never cared for his gimmick at all, no matter what he was doing, babyface or heel. He is a, he can go in the ring. That's the, that's one thing I know he can do. He can go in the ring. Um, so, yeah, best match of the night that really didn't mean anything, and that's unfortunate because most of the time nowadays, it used to be different years ago, but nowadays usually the best matches happen between two guys who have no build to their match, no rivalry, no nothing, you know, other than just arguing with each other. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what is that? Who cares? They argue, you know, they're both cocky, arrogant guys, and, you know, they, they both think that they're the best, and so now they want to see who's the best. Okay, fine. That isn't really, to me, that's not really a build. Unless it, it's a precursor or it came off of something. One of them cost the other one a title shot, or one of them cost the other a title, or something like that. It's got to mean something more than what it is. But just by athleticism, just by wrestling in a match, this is the best match of the night because of how they did it. And it's unfortunate that all it was was just a one-on-one match. Nothing on the line, no meaning, no nothing. Um, but hats off to Edge and Seth Rollins for being the best match of the night. We get next to Bobby Lashley defending the WWE title against Goldberg. Uh, with two powerhouses like this, I just figured Goldberg was here to put over Bobby Lashley. Um because, I mean, him coming back, he didn't look good the last couple of matches he had. Goldberg is old, but his presence and that, that when that music hits, it gets a pop. It got a pop when he first came back on whatever Raw that was. And um, I figured, you know, it'd get a pop here. But it seemed like the, the fans were kind of mixed between Goldberg and Lashley, which I was shocked because usually they, you know, it's it's great to hate the big black guy. You know, people love doing that. Um, but even though I love Bobby Lashley as far as him as a wrestler, he's deserved everything that he's gotten. He's earned everything that he's gotten and he deserves to continue to be the champion. Um, and he did win the match, but how he won it. And I, and I get that the whole heelish thing. I get that. I get that. So, you know, at the end, um, MVP hits him with a cane hits uh, Goldberg in the knee with a cane. And since he can't stand up, he can't continue on the outside of the ring. Since he can't continue, then it was Bobby Lashley just awarded the match because Goldberg can't continue. Almost like that stoppage that they did uh, when in the cell match between Seth Rollins and The Fiend. You know, he, you know, he piled a bunch of chairs on The Fiend, Seth Rollins did. And then after he piled a bunch of chairs on top of him, then he hit him with another chair or hit him with a uh, sledgehammer or something like that on top of the chairs and so the referee just called a stoppage i'm like you can't stop doing that give us a pin give us a submission come on it's not that it's not that big a deal to 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 do something like that 
like all of this, you know, for the short build that it was, at least give us something of a good finish. We didn't even get a pinfall or even a roll up pin or schoolboy pin, you know, an escape pin like like uh, Lashley did to Drew McIntyre when he faced him in the cell. At least that something like he can't Goldberg can't continue because MVP hit him in the knee with his cane. You telling me even as old as Goldberg is, he can't deal with that to where he can't stand. He's that old. He shouldn't even be there. So this definitely should be Goldberg's last match. Because if he, even for kayfabe, can't get through this, what's the point of bringing him back again? He's too old. He's too decrepit. He's, he can't do it. What happens if somebody else gets in, uh, involved again? Or what happens if some accident happens? You know, kayfabe or not. And he he, he can't stand up. <laughs> like, really? So what they do is, he can't continue. So the match is declared over by the ref. Just saying that Goldberg can't continue, therefore Lashley can't. Lashley is uh, retains the title, so the match doesn't end the pitfall submission, um, and we're just done with it. So of course Lashley has to be the heel, and he has to beat up on Goldberg, because that's just what heels do. But afterward, he uh, while he's beating up on Goldberg, Goldberg's son Gage has to come out and come to his dad's rescue course it doesn't work so what happens is Lashley because his uh, gauge interfered puts gauge in the hurt lock and so Goldberg is mad because his son got hurt his son chose to get in the ring his son chose to get on Bobby Lashley he should have told his son no you stay out of this I'm a man I can handle my own self I've dealt with this before you don't need to I they could have put that in the kayfabe they could have put that in there They really should have. But what do they do? Because his son got involved and his son got hurt, Bobby Lashley wouldn't have even touched him had it not been for... I could see if Bobby Lashley went to where Gage was and did like Brock Lesnar did to Dominic uh, back in the day and then anger Rey Mysterio because he picked on his son. Lashley didn't do that. Even if something happened a, a time or a time before, it didn't happen in this match. Even if it happened the Raw before or two Raws before, it didn't happen in this match. So Gage comes out, puts himself in harm's way. You want to put yourself in harm's way? It don't matter if you're a man or a woman. You're going to try to attack a man. You're going to try to do something. You deserve the consequences of that. Or else don't get involved. That's how it should go. And they just... Oh, wow. So he puts him in the hurt lock. And MVP say, no, that's enough. That's too far. Let's him go eventually, but now, of course, Goldberg is mad, so that means that this short rivalry will be extended. So Goldberg has to get another crack at Lashley for the title because he hurt his son. And we got to see Goldberg again. Goldberg wasn't received well by this SummerSlam crowd. What makes you think he's going to be received well by the next crowd? He's supposed to be the babyface. You at least got to have him received well. People are tired. People, some people just need to let it go. And it's like you just make yourself look bad. I mean, even The Undertaker did that. The Undertaker stayed longer than he should have. I love The Undertaker, but he did not. He didn't look good his last couple years. He should have let it go. When you, you're trying to hang on and stuff, I mean, you're taking bumps and bruises that you used to take when you were in your 20s and 30s, and you're in your 40s now. It don't make sense. I think Goldberg is pushing 50. 
I forgot how old Goldberg is. What are you doing, man? I met the guy in San Diego at a charity event. Took a picture. Like, yeah, he's still muscle, you know, muscle bound and whatnot. But, dude, you you taking too much of a pounding over your career, man? Like, dude, I thought you were done. Like, just, man, I guess, I guess, you know, them WWE paychecks just cannot be said no to. That must be what it is. All right, let's get to our final match. And, of course, we're not done yet with all of the nonsense. But we get to Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against John Cena. Um, I figured it was going to be Roman winning, and it was. And the reason why I'm cutting straight to the chase is because it's like you, you can see when something is so predictable. It's like now recently they're just lining up all these past WWE legends to come take a crack at um come take a crack at Roman Reigns. They really haven't done that with Lashley. The only one they've done is Goldberg so far. All the other ones have been actual like actual uh active roster wrestlers, not people who are part time and coming back to try to challenge Lashley. Uh, Goldberg's been the only one so far since he's held the title, I believe. Um but with Roman, they done done Edge twice. Technically, it was Daniel Bryan, too, because Daniel Bryan had been around for a long time, and then he all of a sudden comes back and wants a title shot at WrestleMania and didn't deserve to be in the match. But um, then Roman Reigns takes care of Edge again. Now he takes care of John Cena after a, a match where it was like John Cena was just, all John Cena was doing was just trying to get a pin. He was just trying to get a quick pin. He was just trying to sneak away with a pin. And I'm like, that's what heels do. Baby faces are supposed to shine and, and do this and do that, do all your signature moves and do all that, and then try to win off of your big moves. He's trying to escape with a win, and it's like... I... So, you know, Roman Reigns does his thing. You know, the sleeper hold is supposed to be really effective and whatnot, and Roman Reigns wins the match. But we're not done, because then once the match is over... Brock Lesnar music hits. Brock Lesnar returns to the WWE. He is sporting his beard, which he never really had while he was in WWE, only when he was in UFC. And on top, where he usually has that military cut, just like John Cena used to have, now he's got the top pulled back, grown out a little bit, bald on the sides and the back with a ponytail hanging down his ba- the back of his head. I'm like, what in the... I mean, dude, it's not, it's, it's not enough that you're older. Now you look worse. <laughs> what are you doing? What are they doing? Okay, I get the, the pop and everything. Brock Lesnar coming back. But how many times have we seen Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns? Only this time it's not Reigns is the baby face and Brock Lesnar is the heel. It's Reigns is a heel and Brock Lesnar is a hybrid. I guess the best I can call him is a hybrid. I don't ever see Brock Lesnar being a baby face, but he can be a hybrid. And what is a hybrid? It's a, it's a heel to that. The fans love so much that he almost can't be bad or anything. He does. They'll still going to love it anyway, as if he were a baby face. That's what Brock Lesnar is now. Technically, or that's the, that's the only thing that he can be because he's come up against the head of the table, the big bad heel who is the universal champion, who is 
Roman Reigns. The biggest thing about this really isn't either of these two guys. It's about Paul Heyman to me. Who is Paul Heyman going to side with? Is he going to stick with Roman Reigns or is he going to go back to Brock Lesnar? Because technically they're both still his clients or at least Brock Lesnar was his client before Brock Lesnar took time off after losing the title to Drew McIntyre in WrestleMania in 2020. So what does Paul Heyman do now? Who is Paul Heyman's going to, who's, whose corner is he going to be in? And I know there's going to be questions and Roman Reigns going to be talking to him. Like, well, you know, are you on my side? And, you know, it's going to be trust issues. And then Brock Lesnar is going to be like, you better be on my side or Paul Heyman, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's going to be the whole thing for the buildup to whenever they have their title match. That's the only thing that I would actually care to see. I don't care to see an actual match between Lesnar and Reigns again. I don't care what the stakes are or what the circumstances are. I care about what Paul Heyman's going to do because I think it's going to be funny. Or what they're going to do to Paul Heyman because, you know, of whose side he may choose. So I think that's going to be funny. So that's the only thing I'm really looking forward to out of this whole thing. But yeah, we have another legend coming back to challenge Reigns for the title. And this time it's the one guy that he uh, has, I think, has only beaten once. And the only time he reason he beat him then was because I think that was a SummerSlam a couple of years ago was because shortly after that Roman Reigns after winning the title beating finally beating Brock Lesnar after losing to him like eight times had to re- release the title because he um, his medical condition I just want to keep it professional like his medical condition had had to come back and he had to deal with that again so he had to leave because of medical and because of health issues. So I think they just did that nice gesture for him because he was going to have to release the title. So that's why they let him win that time. If that had not been the case, I think they probably would have made him lose to Brock Lesnar again, and he wouldn't have any wins over Brock Lesnar. But against Brock Lesnar, he officially stands at 1-7 or 1-8. And again, I don't care for it. But I'm curious to see the whole thing with Paul Heyman. So that will conclude this SummerSlam review overall grade. I really don't care. I just, I just still waiting for them to do better. So you can probably pretty much figure out by what I've said what the grade would be. Whatever you think it is, you're probably right. <laughs> so that's going to be it. I'm going to get to the AEW, what I'm thinking about AEW soon. Um and also football season right around the corner for my football fans. I appreciate everybody for rocking with me, hanging with me, uh, being loyal, even though I have um, been away for a little while. Uh, but I appreciate everyone. I appreciate all my subscribers. Please uh, share. Please subscribe. Uh, we are not. We are down sometimes, but we are not out. And uh, we are keeping this thing going, and we're back into it. Uh, with this review of WWE SummerSlam 2021. I will see you in the next podcast episode. Believe until you stop breathing. This is Devalian with Scout Team Sports.